right. And Phoenix, thanks so much for joining us. Now, are you in New York City right now? Yes. Well, I, I'm lying, actually. I just moved to Jersey. <laughs> no way. But I still consider that being in New York. But I, yeah. How close are you to the Jersey river? Now. Are you are you still sort of like, I feel like I'm in New York, Jersey, or like Jersey, Jersey? Um, I feel like I'm in New York. I, it, to get to lower Manhattan takes me like 15, 20 minutes. So uh, oh, wow. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty close. And you're from Queens, right? Is that right? I have lived in every borough except the Bronx, which is weird because I'm Puerto Rican. You would think that I started there. But yeah, I've I've lived in every, even Staten Island, just don't hold that against me. Um, Uh, Yeah, but I've lived all over New York City. That's where Wu-Tang is from. That's right. And I have a Wu-Tang tattoo. There we go. There we go. Come on. Yeah, uh, I lived in Queens for a good while over in Sunnyside, and I really loved it. It was like for... Well, for me, it's like when I, when I was living in New York, people say, you're not from here, right? And then when I'm living in the South where I'm from, people are like, you're not from here. So I just have uh, this, you know, uh, I'm always the, the other, but I, but I really loved how diverse Sunnyside and Long Island City and just Queens in general, yeah. uh, Jackson Heights, all that. It's it's just an unbelievable place. And it's inevitable that you, you have, if you live there for a period of time, you're going to look at the world in a different way. And right. I just don't, I don't think there's a lot of places. I don't think you can live in Topeka and then come out of it feeling like you've got this worldly experience. Right. Like uh, I heard somewhere that they have to have somebody on hand to um, speak, I think over a hundred languages or something at the hospital at all times. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, it's, it's sort of like the hood version of Epcot center. <laughs> <You know? laughs> You walk one block and you got Indian food. You walk another block and it's Greek. You walk another block and it's Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And when you're riding your bike real fast, it gets very confusing to the senses because it all starts. It's, yeah. It becomes a fusion restaurant. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's, it's so cool to have you and, and uh, to, to meet you and everything. And as you know, you know, we, we, uh, we like to sort of um, get into the kind of, We've been sort of marrying art with martial arts and all of the surrounding elements. So we're, uh, you know, I'm very interested in a lot of, you know, creators that are in the space doing different things. I feel like that even though MMA has gotten really, you know, pretty big and we're going to find out just about how big coming up here in in about a week, uh, how big the McGregor effect still lasts or whatever. But, you know, as big as it's even gotten, I still feel like it has this kind of underground, we're all in it together uh, kind of feeling. And uh, I know that it's a, it's a hard road for those that are truly professionally in, in that realm as you have been. Uh, so definitely one of the things I want to get into and I know we want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, I, I love the idea that you're in sort of a transition right now with, with a lot of your, your career from what I can see, you know, uh, generally. And I think that that's, uh, that's the that's where the good stuff is, right? It's it's one thing to talk to people when they're like, "Yep, I've been doing this for ten years, and I've you know worked my way up to this, and then now I do this, and it's great, and you know it's got its challenges, but I know what the hell it is, or you know." So so now we're in this place where uh, you know uh, you know as with our podcast, we're always trying to figure it out, right? Just like we were with the technical difficulties. Yeah, just uh, no, but a uh, challenge. Always a challenge. <laughs> but, but, but you know and. We don't, you know, people don't need, you don't need to come on here and give us a sort of your, your bio. Although, by the way, um, if you do research on yourself, which I don't recommend you do, um, <laughs> one of the, th- you know, how Google autocompletes searches. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't realize this, but uh, people seem to be very into uh, your feet. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's some really weird (laughs) shit. I can't can't imagine looking up my own, googling myself. Brian Siskin's feet. (laughs) Right. So, so that illuminates, I think, a whole other set of things that I would love to discuss with you as well. (laughs) Not, not necessarily your feet, but just uh, what it is to be um, uh, a woman in a a fighting and media realm. Uh, (laughs) My goodness. Uh, So, you know. Uh, congratulations, though. On the, uh, uh. <laughs> yes, yes. Having having nice enough feet that there's like I guess a web page dedicated to Um Yeah, I guess I'm honored. I don't. You know. <laughs> I guess you know it's such a it's such a loaded question. Um, so I'll I'll just ask you to ask something specific about sure. you know being a female in the industry, but for the most part. I think I I grew up with an older brother 
So it was, you just liked the toys that you liked to play with. Mm -hmm. It was never, my parents were never like, this is girl stuff. This is boy stuff. So I was like super feminine without being taught to be that way. Mm -hmm. And I was also super into boy toys and GI Joes and action figures without being taught that either. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I didn't really think of it as like, I'm a woman in this space for a really long time. I was like, I like these things. Mm. And it wasn't until someone else told me that it was weird or I got put into a different box or standard or was treated slightly different that I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. This is, this is weird. You know? So I think it's definitely getting better. Uh, but it's, um, it has its own set of unique challenges. Yeah. Well, and of course, I, you know, we can get into more, more specific things. I and mean, we've, we've definitely talked to a lot of, um, uh, uh folks I think are in, in a similar position, uh, you know, uh, and similar set of challenges, but I'm sure that also each, each have, have their own, but more widely without necessarily like into the, sort of the, the gender sort of conversation, we can kind of, mm-hmm. that'll get woven in here, but, but ultimately, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know that Joe and I, uh, we, we, we have like a shrine off camera over here. You can't really see it, but um, it's a it's to the MMA beat. Um, <laughs> I thought it was like up my feet. No, no, okay. Now those things go on to see it. But... <laughs> it's going to your head a little bit now. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things too where I, I feel like the for there's different levels of fans, right? So there's different people that. Uh, dig into different levels of media and have kept up with the sport for a certain amount of time to a certain degree or understand so many things that have happened historically. And I feel like that uh, when you came on the MMA beat, it was it was one of those things where it kind of clicked like, oh, I've seen, I know her from, you know, this and that and the other. And it, it dawned on me that, uh, you know, that you had really been in a lot of spots and done a lot of really cool stuff, you know. And then so I know that you have uh, you know, a true fighting background and, and a, a, a true martial artist background. Um, and I think that also the perspective that you brought to the MMA beat, and we talked with Chuck uh, Mendenhall about this too, you know, it was sort of like uh, one of the points he made that I thought was great. He really summed up obviously really well. That's what he does. Uh, he summed up very well why that was successful. And it was really about how each person had such a very specific uh, thing that they were bringing to the table and the way that that just all worked together worked really well. I, I really miss uh, that show. I know that Joe does too, right, Joe? Oh yeah. Especially that lineup with you and Danny Segura like that to me, like when it would be, when it be you and Danny Segura and Chuck sort of balancing out Luke, <laughs> cause it takes that much to balance out Luke. <laughs> it yeah. was like, that was like the, uh, like the ideal lineup on that show. I just really, really enjoyed that. Every week when it would come on, I'd be like, Oh, awesome. Like Danny's on again. Oh, awesome. Phoenix is on again. And I would just be like, so stoked to see that lineup. And I, and I always like really appreciated I always appreciate like even if you guys were talking about stuff that was just like, you know, uh, recent news bits about what's happening this week or something like that. It always felt like with with that group, there was just so many interesting, different points of view happening that even the most sort of seemingly trivial, just sort of weekly news thing would be would would suddenly have all these reverberations that would make it a, a much more interesting conversation. And it was always like something I was, you know, excited to take the time to make sure that I listened to the whole thing, you know, in my car after I got back home or whatever. So I really love that lineup. And uh, I've been pretty much chasing you ever since then trying to get you on the podcast. (laughs) So I'm glad to have you you on here. But that was definitely the, the, you know, the, the thing that, that, you know, made me most aware of like, you know, what you've been doing and also like where, where you're at now was seeing you on that show. I just was really, really loved that and was so disappointed when it, I mean, it'd been on for a while in one form or another. So I suppose it had a nice long run, but, but it was, it had gotten so good. (laughs) Hopefully something like that will come up again. Yeah. I know that Danny and I are definitely always like kind of hitting each other up here and there I like or that. seeing each other up mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, you know, what's going on? And he's trying to you know, think of something to put together. And I love Chuck. I mean, I uh-huh. can't even begin to tell you how talented I think he is. If it's an article and it has his name on it, it could be about socks and I would read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then Luke 
as strong as opinion as Luke has, there are a lot of times where I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I'm glad somebody said it. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, th- I really thought that we all had such great, unique energies. Um, and I miss it. I miss it a lot. Yeah. So, and then where you are now, uh, you know, obviously you've, you've been in sort of the, the access TV world, you've been in a lot of different worlds. Uh, do you have sort of grand designs right now or, or is it something where, uh, like I feel like that when I've experienced a lot of transition professionally or whatever in life, I have found it to be a very interesting push and pull between the sort of the will I have to determine or solve for or organize whatever this life is and what the hell I'm doing. Right. You have this, you have this drive to sort of do that. But at the same time, I feel like metaphysically you almost have to sort of find this weird balance between uh, being assertive towards that uh, puzzle, but at the same time, allowing space for, you know, conditions to kind of change or, you know, like my mom always said, like, if you don't know what to do, just stand still. Right. And it's such a, (laughs) it's such a hard, uh, like uh, incredibly, um, anti-instinctual thing to do, I think, when you're in a position of uncertainty. Uh, And so I was just wondering from like that kind of place mentally, you know, uh, like what's your vibe right now? Like how are you feeling about sort of the the sort of transition period that you're you're in? I I kind of compare it to surfing, which I don't surf, but my subconscious, (laughs) my subconscious believes, and I went to, I went to hypnotherapy. This is a funny story that I'll tell you guys, but... I I compare things to surfing because what surfing is, is it's being strong enough to ride the wave, but accepting enough to know that you're on a wave and you can't control it. Mm -hmm. You know, so what your mom's saying is about being uh, standing still. Yes, definitely stand still, but don't block any energy that comes your way either. So if you are going to be stagnant, you should be stagnant yet open. Your eyes open, your ears open, your arms extended for anything to come your way. So that is pretty much what my stagnation is. I am productive in the fact, you know, to just call it what it is, we all got laid off and they let go of 70 people at Access TV Mm -hmm. because Access TV Fights was creating content. They were producing and they were partners with the LFA. Mm -hmm. And then when Anthem Sports came, they were like, we don't want to make TV. It costs a lot of money. What we'll do is we'll just give, uh, what is it, Combate some money and put you on our network but we're not going to produce you. You're going to produce yourselves or whatever. Or maybe they gave them a small amount of money. So they, now they do have, um, a good, a good promotion on their network, but they're not putting any money out to like produce a big show the way they were with, with the LFA. Mm. So they let all of us go. And then that they filled that slot with, with, with that net, with that promotion. So we were all kind of like, and I, and, and I'm not ashamed to say that I'm pissed about how they did it because they told me Monday and our last show was Friday. Oh. And for us freelancers, it was like, okay, that's it. You know, no severance, no right. nothing. So that yeah. was, you know, similar, I guess, what happened to Collider. If you guys watch Collider, sure. that happened like really recently. So it left me at a stage where it was like, okay, the truth is I love martial arts. I like fighting. Mm. I love martial arts and fitness and health and wellness and philosophy. I like MMA. So hopefully there's a world where like I could kind of put together more of martial arts than just the fight sports. Mm -hmm. Because combat sport is, is very much that it's a sport and martial arts encompasses a lot more Mm -hmm. than just you know, who are you fighting next? When's your contract up? Right. You know, how'd you feel during that fight? That's all cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. I can tell why I got involved, but I'm hoping that there's more, you know, um, I'm almost thinking about revamping human weapon in a much more comedic uh, way. Interesting. A comedic way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, because it's fighting, and that's the only way people think about martial arts. They forgot about all the other really cool aspects of it, uh, aspects of training, aspects of culture, aspects of, you know, fitness, aspects of camaraderie, aspects of history. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, that have come out of that. So I wrote something and hopefully somebody will call me about it. 
or I'll just have to keep knocking on doors, which I have been doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think that there's, you know, I think there's more room for lots more programming um, sort of along those lines. Cause I think that like, you know, like we're saying, I mean, I think that there's been certain shows or, you know, certain series or certain ways that we, uh, sort of package and sell combat sports. And it's like, they, they're all, I mean, it's sort of like, there's these, you know, handful of formulas that just keep on getting revamped. And I think that there's yeah. plenty of room the to slow think. motion shot of the guy. His hands. <laughs> you didn't like, know that's a really good invitation. I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You wrap in like, your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slide guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, and, it, and that's actually cool. I yeah. still love the behind the scenes training for a fight camp. Sure. It is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for the the, new countdown, the new, the new McGregor, uh, Sony countdown. I'm going to watch the shit out of it. I I will take the slow motion. I will take it. (laughs) But like you say, I do think that there's, there's, you know, the idea of like taking a show like, uh, like human weapon where you would explore different martial arts styles and things like that or something. But then, but then there's so many different angles that could be done that make it a completely different thing. Or what was the thing called, uh, that, there was an actor did a thing on Netflix. Was it called Fight World? Did you see yes, that? Yes, Fight World uh, with Frank Gorillo. Yeah, Frank Gorillo. Yeah. yeah, and to me, that was almost becoming something like, almost like uh, like Anthony Bourdain or something, mm-hmm. where it's like he's going to these places, and you know, instead of a food thing, he's going there to look at fighting, but. In the midst of all that, you're learning these history lessons and these cultural right. lessons. And, and, and I mean, really, the best part of that whole series to me was that it kept coming back over and over again to the fact that in so many places in the world and even in the West, a lot of times it's economics is what drives fighting in terms of the people who fight or the people who sure. are that's who ends up having to fight, you know, and, right. and, and, and he didn't shy away from that you know, that hard truth of what these yeah. sports end up being about. And, and um, we shouldn't because very right. much about why we compete mm-hmm. in anything, not just uh, combat sports, which is the ultimate level of competition uh-huh. besides war. Um, the reason we yeah, compete well is that because very much of it is in, is in human nature mm-hmm. and it's the safer, healthier way to deal with that, that part of our nature mm-hmm. than war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You or know, just randomly um, attacking people. <laughs> right. So, so you can deal with that competitive spirit in an absolutely uh-huh. healthy way it, with sport. You right. can, because that's in us mm-hmm. and, and it's channeled correctly. And, um, I, I feel like it's almost positive for women now to do more sports because that was the one thing men always had over us. Uh-huh. And I, re- I respect it because I have brothers. I do it. It's mm-hmm. it's guys can rib each other and like just be totally cool with it. Mm-hmm. You can make fun of your best friend's ex-girlfriend for an hour and he will <laughs> laugh along with you. No hard feelings. Call you tomorrow. <laughs> Because that's just a camaraderie thing that right. uh, that guys have. Because you guys are used to competitive energies against each other. No big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit. I mean, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, of course, there's, <laughs> egos. there's egos with everything. But it was a little bit more of a natural thing, I think, with with men. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to sort of, I think, because um, I've went on a complete tangent about that's war our, and that's, combat. That's, that's human our show nature, lives but, on tangents. That's what we do here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just going back to human nature and sport and history and understanding ourselves, I think that's why we call it art, right? Like right. an expression of, of yourself. You know, Bruce Lee quotes, a good fight is like a small play, but played seriously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like so that. I always respected those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had, I have a good, I have a good eye for where the art is. And, um, I think that there's room for a lot of creativity. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I really love, I I mean, uh, everything you're talking about, I really dig it. And I think, I mean, I think that's one thing too, that we've seen more and more of in the, in the, you know, sort of more independent media realms as well as we've seen so many people like Robin Black, for instance, who's uh, Robin <laughs> Black, who's a guy who's, uh, you know, commentating for a, a, a sports channel in, in Canada before mm-hmm. they shut down their whole production. And then he's I like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the next thing you know, he's come up with 
all this creative ways that he's transitioned to the Robin Black that we now know as this guy yeah. who does these 30 second breakdowns on everything from like, you know, international combat sports to uh, two praying mantises, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and it's brilliant. Hitting you know? a girl, which we cracked up. Over. <laughs> so I, I love Robin. Like yeah. we, another person that I am dying to work with, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we would just be a, such a cool team if we yeah. ever got the opportunity I to agree. do it. So, we we uh we I would have such a good time with him. Mm. I actually thought of a skit I wanted to do with him, and and um if it ever gets made, I'll be like I said it on their show first. All right, perfect. That'd be great. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I think that you have you have a you have a particular challenge in that you're you're really good at a lot of different things, and uh you were trying to weave them together in some way that that makes sense, and that's yeah. that's one of those things where it's uh. What's the the adage about whatever luck is preparation? What are that yeah. preparation meeting opportunity? Whatever the mm-hmm. hell, yeah. whatever that is. So the, I feel like that when you're when you're working really hard on a lot of different disciplines in life, and you've got acting, and you've got you know uh, all, all the other things that you that you know punching people in the face, uh, you know <laughs> all of that. You know when, when you put all that together, it actually creates all these different sort of um, each one is like another constellation that then you're trying to figure out how to navigate through life in a way that keeps and act keeps all those things activated right and it's yeah. it's um and sometimes those things feel like they're at, almost at odds probably with each other and then in other ways they're perfectly symbiotic depending on the situation uh uh that that you're trying to you know either solve for or something you want to perform or do or something you want to say and so uh how how do you like you know obviously you know with with mixed martial arts you're weaving together a lot of different disciplines and you have backgrounds in distinct different disciplines that you weave together and it's always about you know the, the cliches like how people put it together right i yeah. as a non-practitioner of martial arts the way the reason why i still find it as interesting in the same way that what was it you were talking about earlier where you're like uh oh surfing right like mm-hmm. where you're like i don't surf i've never surfed but i get a lot from that uh, yeah ultimately that is that is the nature of my my sort of benefit i think to the proximity of martial arts and then ultimately uh applying a lot of those lessons in the various things that i do and trying to find ways to weave together different things and to create new things uh and so i wonder with you you have uh, an inordinate amount of established practiced skills and things that you do <laughs> how the hell are you going to manage that uh time management is really crucial and so for example I know that I'm not going to be able to do martial arts at the level that I did when I was fighting. Mm. So now instead of it being eight hours a week, it has to be four hours a week. Or I actually, I think it was like 12 hours a week. Now it has to be four hours a week. So it has to be very disciplined time, four hours. Like, do I have to kick in this next video? Okay, well then these four hours a week, I'm going to be working on my kicking. Do I know that the next fight that I'm watching or commentating on is someone who's a really good wrestler? Well, that I'm calling out my wrestler friends and that four hours is going to be the, uh, explain to me this, explain to me that, yeah. put me in these positions. No more live sparring. Now it's just drilling. Um, and, and then for acting stuff, it's like, okay, I'm going to have to stay home today and not train because I have lines to memorize or it's very much specific. So I, it, I do feel like a jack of all trades, which means I'm not going to do any jujitsu competitions this year, even though I really wanted to, it yeah. means that I'm not going to, you know, it's, you kind of have to pick and choose what's going to be the priority that week, that job, that situation. Yeah. Um, and, and you're very clear about it. So like, for example, when I would go on the MMA beat the night before, I would make sure that I, I was brushed up on everybody we were going to talk about and everything that they had done in the past, like four or five years. Right. And just so I'm brushed up upon it. So that means that the night before I probably didn't go to Muay Thai. I probably worked out in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it really was very much about, like work-life balance and it never feels like there's enough hours in the day <laughs> yeah. yeah well and also there's like the inner voice of uh even if there were 30 hours in a day would i really make the most of them i'm just a human being sometimes i just right. i need to just chill out or i need to like you can't just be a machine at all times either unlike yeah. unlike joe it's always a machine <laughs> <laughs> Always machine. <laughs> it's uh, you know, I've, I just I find uh, that 
I have always had a lot of envy for people that do one s- single thing. Right. And that's Me all too. they've ever done from the time they were a kid. Like, nope, this is, you know, I've got friends that are, I, I have a friend who's a professional skateboarder that I grew up skating with in the eighties. You know what I mean? And then he's just my age, 47 and he's still like, yeah. he, he's still doing it. He's still like a, <laughs> Be, because, because truthfully single focus does, does become mastery. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you have to decide if you are that personality mm-hmm. and, and I wish I was that personality because I would be doing Muay Thai and then be guys doing jujitsu in the corner. And I'd be like looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, I want to do that too. And then Kali, I've been totally in love with, and I'm like, I have to let go of the idea that I'm probably not going to be able to do that for another five or six years when I'm not involved with MMA anymore. And I can put a focus on it, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, when I see somebody pull out a stick or a knife, mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. And like dancing with the stars. I'm like, I want to be on that. Like, yeah. I'm that <laughs> I do everything. You know, the only thing I don't want to do is like scuba dive or space travel. I'm like, uh, no, uh. nothing's claustrophobic. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I totally get that. But I think it also comes down to, I think it's a personality type. Yeah. I think there's definitely people who I have friends that are like, ah, I just want to do Muay Thai. I don't want to do jujitsu. I'm like, really? Mm. Yeah. I think there's, yeah. there's, it's somewhere between it's almost like a strange algorithm between uh it's almost it's based on sort of like your your native curiosity level as just a person and your yeah. na- your nature as far as curiosity goes and then uh it's applied sort of like against uh your curiosity kind of governance like you can be a lot of people can be naturally curious about a lot of things but they don't get so curious that they're possessed <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and to the to like now I'm gonna take that on. To, I want to experience that. I want to do that. You know, there's mm-hmm. people that are like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to learn a little bit about read that. a book about oh, that. Yeah, I'll read a book yeah. about yeah. that. Now I kind of yeah. get it and great and moving on. Like I, yeah. again, very jealous of those people that have that sense of governance because I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and so I, I feel like that it's almost like a parlay. It's like that. That's really how I look at it. It's it's like you know. Do you want to just you know put all your chips on one 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 uh, outcome, or do you want to sort of a kind of diversify your portfolio, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, if you can stitch those four to five to six things together and create something then exponential that either doesn't exist, you, you just like I, I feel like that I always want to leave the possibility open to do something that hasn't been done before, and the only way that you can do that is to leave that stage kind of available for that and kind of cook up a lot of different plates and then see what kind of weird, mysterious things start to kind of pop off. You know, it's a weird, uh, truth, I suppose. Yeah. And it never, it never comes out exactly how you expect it either, which is again, (laughs) a true martial arts thing about remaining open and ready and flexible and pliable Mm -hmm. and, and to be able to go with the flow of things, you know, be like water, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think a lot of that is possibly what's in my future. Mm-hmm. And, and hey, if it was like another commentary job and I did that for a while, too, and, you know, had my couple days or the week to book a commercial or do whatever I needed to do. Like one thing I do is because my brain does need a break from fight sports. Mm-hmm. It needs a, it needs to almost cleanse its mm-hmm. palate as I go to improv comedy classes um, once a week. Yeah. And it seems like it's completely off kilter, but it's not because everything about improv helps you for being on television in general. Mm. Because when something crazy comes at you, you're just used to crazy stuff from class. So you just go with that, too. Mm. So, you know, um, I I, I kind of. Yeah. All all I can think of was Michael Scott uh, when he was doing his uh, improv classes. You watch The Office? I love The Office. Like every time. All he ever would do is just every improv character would quickly descend into a guy with guns and he'd just kill everybody. <laughs> That's right. Like, irrespective of whatever the scene was. I remember yeah. that. I vaguely remember that. And it's like by the fifth that. time, they're just like, you, we, yeah. you can't keep just killing everybody <laughs> as like your improv response. But right. so I'm wondering, like, do you do the same thing? Do you just like devolve into fight mode and then just try to beat up everybody in your class? No, no. Okay. I, I like, uh, I tried to keep it a secret that I was involved with MMA yeah. for a good portion of um a good portion of the first class I took and like somehow it got out 
And then it was like every scene, somebody wanted to just like make me do something physical to see what I could do. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh, Jesus. You know, so, so I try, I like really try to stay away from it. But I, I do overly make Star Wars and comic book references in the middle of scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's fun. I think it's something I recommend to literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Because it teaches you, again, how to be open and creative and very uh, on the spot and flexible. And, you know, and and honestly, the person who did it before me was Dean Thomas. And Mm. Dean Thomas had talked about his love for it so much. And I had done comedy. I did stand up when I was like in my 20s. This is a long time ago. And um, and I, you know, stopped doing it because I got a job in fitness and you can't do comedy and fitness. It just doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) He's a late night gig and fitness is an early morning gig. And, um, you know, I just stopped doing it and, and I missed it so much. In fact, like if someone was to offer me a sitcom right now, I would walk away from MMA and probably never look back. Mm. You know, I say that now, but I'm probably lying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably lying, but it's just cause I just enjoy that world so much. And, um, and when I started doing it, I was like, this is a good it's really a stress relief. It's stressful because you have to think of things on the spot. And even if you do a improv scene and it sucks, you're st- you still feel like, okay, well, at least I did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, I did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's very much, yeah. it's very much not the same, but I've, uh, you know, I've, uh, nothing you would ever want to listen to or anyone would ever want to listen to or be subjected to. But years ago in Nashville, actually, there was a, a lot of like sort of strange improvisational music and kind of yeah, that's fun, <laughs> uh, stuff going on. And, uh, you know, we used to gather at, uh, you know, this legendary place called the spring water, which is the diviest of dives in Nashville. Uh, one of the last that still exists, but basically we would, you know, it would be an assembly of, of people that you've maybe even never played with that you were, you're like, we're going to go play a show. We have no music. We have no idea who's going to do what. And you just get up there and you know that you've got to be there for 45 minutes and figure out something. And I love, it is that it feeling similarly. Mm-hmm. I understand that feeling where you come out of it and you're like, okay, definitely there were some problems and definitely that didn't go very well. And that didn't go very well, but man, there was this nugget or there was this spark that happened that would have never happened any other way and you have to subject yourself to that sort of compression and anxiety and all of the things that go along with it to jump off the you know suspend your need for certainty to kind of experience what might come and uh and and it is a a great feeling to kind of bathe in after you know uh where you're like wow like because you feel like you've actually done uh, notched another level you know uh so that's really cool uh and so how does that help you with your, when you, when you were arguing with Luke Thomas, how did that help you? <laughs> it just keeps you, it keeps you, uh, I, you know, it's so funny. Cause I'm like the least, I'm pretty, I'm pretty even keeled generally as a person. So if I have a strong opinion about something, it means something went down. Yeah. Because for the most part, like, um, especially with, I think it was something similar to everybody was expecting me to lose my mind over the Greg Hardy situation. Mm-hmm. Because I was a woman, so they were like, oh, go in on him. And I was like, I'm not, actually. Mm, Yeah. Because I believe in forgiveness. Mm. And I believe that martial arts heals people of a lot of their demons and their anger. And, you know, and I and I and I think that we should give people the benefit of the doubt after an extended period of time. Everybody's shocked. Right. What? And it's because uh, a friend of mine in high school on his way to college was about to get like a major scholarship. He was Mm -hmm. a ball player. This girl lied. I mean, and I'm talking Greg Hardy situation is not a lie, but Mm -hmm. for this particular situation, it was, Mm -hmm. and it ruined this, it ruined his life for the first five years of his life because of that situation. So, and then no one would ever forgive the fact that he was in it in the first place, even though in this case, this person was innocent. Right. So I do believe like we should we should help people move on mm. from their past and and let them because th- those people have a, are in a valuable position mm. to do good and to send a, a message, especially because they came from the dark side. Mm. Who are the most redeeming figures? Right. Are, right. They, are when when Vader takes the helmet <laughs> off and saves his son. Yeah. Right? You yeah. Know? Yep. We're not going to talk about the new Star Wars. <laughs> 
for, for the most part, sometimes when a villain redeems himself, it could send a, a stronger message for the yeah. most part. I know, absolutely. And everybody, everybody was like shocked that I was, you know, going to say that. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't I'm not necessarily that, that improv helps me, but what, what does help me is what makes good commentators in the first place is to always see the red and the blue corner. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even if I don't agree with the person that I has a strong opinion, I at least have the insight to step slightly back and see both corners mm-hmm. and say, I don't agree with you, but I understand why you would think that, say that and communicate that. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with him a lot of the times, like the steroid thing. I did not, mm-hmm. but I totally understood where the hell he was coming from with that. Yeah. Like, your, your side makes sense to me yeah. and mm-hmm. it makes me almost question myself a little bit. Yeah. And that makes for a much better conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like people don't do that enough. Yeah. I love that. He's unapologetic about that, uh, that piece. And then ultimately all the things you just mentioned, I think what's interesting about that is that it's, it really comes down to these, um, having enough sort of cognitive and sort of, uh, I don't know, emotional maturity, whatever it is right. to just, like, you know, step back from something and, and be able to understand it. That is again, like an instinct I think that is native to people that are m- perhaps more curious by, by, by nature and kind of observers. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the topics that you're talking about, you know, those are kind of irreconcilable things. There is no like there is no binary of you're either for or against or this is right or this is wrong. Like everybody's right. You know, it's it's sort of like, so what are we going to do about it? You know, it's, uh, right. uh, you know, and you, you look at, you know, the forgiveness that, you know, uh, Tyson's afforded. Right. Uh, so for you to jump in and, and, and say, OK, Greg Hardy, here's, the, you know, mm-hmm. it lends almost too much credence or significance to for those that are really, you know, uh, naturally, understandably bitter or not happy about him, uh, then stop feeding that or stop lending, yeah. s- stop lending so much power to the position that the person holds that you don't want them to have, right. you know? Right. So it doesn't make any sense to to sort of go hard line on, on things like that. And I do think it's interesting that, I mean, I suppose it's a it's a nice thing to sort of go, okay, first and foremost, we would like a, a woman's uh, outlook or opinion on this. But at the same time, I feel like we're perhaps in a time, too, where people are a little kind of skittish, right? It's kind of like... Yeah. Uh, it's uh, over the top. It's, yeah. over, it's so over the top that I feel like it diluted the point in the first place, which is the biggest thing that pisses me off about it. Yeah. And then if you say anything, it's so misinterpreted yeah. because you're you're saying it against women. No, you're not. You know what I mean? It's 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 about responsibilities on everyone's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody has to be responsible. Yeah. It, you're not. You know what I mean? Like I've been hit on by men and check them. I will check. Hey, guys, that's really not cool. It's a work situation, you know, but I don't necessarily have to blow the whole situation up in a way. It almost treat t- teaches people how to treat you. That's also not saying that it's okay for men to do what they do either. Mm-hmm. It's saying that both parties have to take responsibility because there's a red corner and a blue corner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have to take responsibility on both sides. And, um, it, it it's, and, that, and, and then I could get criticized tomorrow for this. Like, Oh, you're blaming the victim. I am not, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying what a person does is right. It's it's there's ways to maneuver about around things and there's ways to also take responsibility. Mm -hmm. So and that's a very neutral, understanding way to look at things, to say not every story is the same story. Uh Right. Like because some guys that are getting victimized don't don't they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And then others like a Weinstein, that guy. Oh my God. I could say <laughs> like, he, what a horrible human being. Mm. So I think, I think that there's, there's so many levels to things. It's the same thing with the, with, um, people who are overweight, uh, a body positive. Absolutely. You should be body positive. You should, you should feel beautiful and you should feel that all of these things, but if you have diabetes, you should also lose weight mm-hmm. yeah. and that's not body shaming you. That's just saying science, right? You're not healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, Lizzo situation or li- what is her name? Lizzo. Yeah. So here, here's the, here's the situation <laughs> that I could get in trouble for. And I don't care. <laughs> she is at a basketball game. And she's wearing a dress and her butt cheeks are sticking out of the dress. 
basketball game, not music video, basketball game. So the, the prompter thing goes on her and she turns around and lifts her butt and everybody's like, oh, it's not that she's fat, that we're upset about it. It's that this is a basketball game with children and it's not appropriate. So it doesn't matter if you have the greatest ass in the world, <laughs> the biggest, it's not the time. Mm. No one's body shaming you. They're saying wrong time. <laughs> I'm sure there's a market for big girls and that's cool, but it's not at a basketball game. Yeah. It's just not. And that's what I'm saying where, where the body positive point or the me too movement, you took something really important and you're making it bad because you're just using it all the time. Mm. But at some moments, not appropriate. Mm. There's a, there's an old guy. Um, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying old guy. Um, <laughs> and for everything. And I'm standing right honey. here. We're standing right here. <laughs> you know, and he calls me honey and sweetie all the time, but he's, he's 60 and he's Southern and that's been in his DNA since he's a child. And he means it in a really nice way. <laughs> right. And one of the girls who were with me is like, you know, I'm so sick of him calling me that. I'm like, he's, <laughs> he's not trying to do anything to you. He just, it's part of his vernacular. So it's like, okay, everybody, just calm down. Mm -hmm. Choose your battles wisely. Mm -hmm. You're trying to take on a fight with everybody who's not even an opponent. Mm -hmm. And that's the frustrating part of these movements yeah. that I'd love to be a part of, but I want to be a part of them when there's an actual fight. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it's so funny when you say an actual fight, because I think when you were talking about like an actual fight in these actual realms, dealing with these actual issues... Uh, you're talking about something that's not going to take place on Twitter or is not going to take place in a, you know, uh, two second, you know, uh, uh, you know, blip of video that's on a one minute uh, news extra, you know, and I think it's between like social media and media that all of this stuff gets boiled down to. Like, again, the, the least complicated, most stupidly distilled version of any of these things you can think of. And then that's where the discussion takes place. And yeah. everything you're talking about is way more complicated way of talking about any of this stuff. And that's why you end up getting in trouble, because if you actually try to have a conversation full of nuance and interesting, intersecting perspectives and points of view, all of a sudden, well, you're not saying the thing that the women are supposed to be saying right now. Right. You know what right. I mean? And it's and like you're also taking a sound bite. Right. Where you're like, Phoenix says Lizzo has diabetes. <laughs> Phoenix says Lizzo's butt is inappropriate. Hold on. Like, hey, can you hold Lizzo. on? I'm trying sure. to write this stuff down as fast as fast as you're saying it. I'm trying to write this down. <laughs> no. That, inappropriate diabetes. Yeah, this particular artist does an awesome thing where she's a big girl and she's on top of it right now. And like, she's out there and like she's be successful. And where this does make a statement is the fact that you don't have to be skinny, blonde and beautiful to make a hell of a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And she's hiring people and which is super body positive. She has dancers that aren't the typical, mm -hmm. uh, you know, super skinny girls. They're fantastic. They can move. But showing your ass on national television during a basketball game is inappropriate, Lizzo. So this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Good moments, bad moments. See the difference without them being so black and white. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, and I guess that's where being a woman in any type of public forum can slightly get you in trouble. Because when you're trying to be uh, selective mm -hmm. with with the messages you know, fighting the good fight in the right way, it seems like you're not on everybody's side. I'm not going to be on your side if you're wrong. I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, look, I love Frankie Edgar. Watching him lose sucks for me, but I still have to say what he did wrong when he, when he, when he loses. Mm -hmm. I still have to take my fandom out of it and call a fight. Yeah. And at the same time, that's, in the realm of MMA media, it's uh, for you to do that. Then you're at risk of sort of this irrational indictment on the entirety of Frankie Edgar. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. Calm down. This is just, <laughs> I'm just looking at a moment in time in the same way that he and his people are looking at a moment in time. This is not right. about uh, drawing these, these broad conclusions. And I really do think that there is that, that instinct of just uh, a blanket uh, thinking. And I think that maybe that's a symptom of just, there's just so many 
things that we're exposed to that we're having to sort of evaluate in the scales of our mind about sort of, is this legitimate or not? Or is this right or wrong? Or is this, and so uh, kind of like what you're talking about, but the lowest common denominator of the, 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 the form of the media then wins mm. and is the pervasive kind of, yeah, like pace setter uh, point of orientation for all, yeah. of, all of the thinking around it. And it's only ever going to be so much. And then, right. the, and then the mass media, you have talking heads that never, they just argue about whatever. And like, like, so, uh, and I do want to say too, that part of why we actually started this podcast was at least I can say this for me, Joe, uh, I can't, uh, who knows what the hell's he's thinking, <laughs> you know, but no, I just but, wanted to talk to Phoenix. I'm yeah. like, how can I work this okay. out? Just take two, okay. we're just, don't worry. We're just going to do this podcast for like two years. <laughs> she will come on the yeah. show. I know it. <laughs> so, so, but you know, but the, the thing is, is that, uh, I feel like having conversations is uh, a, a, a problematic thing for a lot of people and having nuanced conversations is, is even more difficult. And I think that uh, for me in doing this, I, I'm not comfortable with myself or podcasting or the universe or anything else existential. That's part of my thing. But, but, Talking on a microphone at first seems so the, like the worst thing in the world to do, but I realized like this is like going to the gym for for having conversations and yes. for and for interacting with people in a particular setting and in a particularly meaningful way. Um, and Joe and I always had these great conversations about how we paralleled f- fighting and and creative work, and you know we would be at an art show talking about the fights or whatever. Uh, and so that's how this all came to be. And and I feel like that. Uh, the kind of the art uh, uh, or the skill of of just having a conversation and giving people time to just kind of suss out what they're saying and then listening to another person and not having to have these uh, black and white ways of looking at things, that sort of nuance and also in a prolonged media form, obviously the the one thing we have working for us, I think in the in media is podcasting because it is the one sort of uh, unmediated long form uh, easy uh, to point of entry kind mm-hmm. of thing that people can do. Uh, and so, so I, I believe that, I want to believe that this is this whole problem that we're kind of talking about. It's, it's cultural. It's a it's a lot of things. But I, I'm hoping that we're on our way, perhaps out of it, uh, because you know when we've talked about long form media, you know people are like, well, we we don't have the attention span for this stuff. It's like, yeah, but then you go and watch 20 hours of Netflix to see three seasons of a show on a weekend. So don't tell me that like you have to do everything in 30 second clips on Instagram. People mm-hmm. want richer storytelling. People want deeper narratives to sink their teeth into. Sure. And so maybe this kind of return to sort of what I feel like I grew up with, and I know you did too, like where it's like everything wasn't albums were albums they were full thought out like this like i just released a new record and i was thinking about the sequence of songs on it and i was like who the fuck cares nobody cares like nobody even thinks of this as a composite body of work and that dynamically it needs to kind of tell this story or work and function in this way so but i do hope that we're kind of returning to to more um expository forms of media and i hope that you you know with with what you're doing because you have so much to lend in that way obviously you have a lot of skills and you can do a lot of things but i do hope that whatever it is uh that one of the recipe pieces that you have kind of going on is is more expository deeper um things because you have a lot of perspectives i think that that are uh u- unique and and i love that you have this um overarching superhero uh complex uh, <laughs> and I I, I I definitely was into comics when i was a kid i kind of never went full on and i'm not like the sci-fi nerd that uh, a lot of people might be uh although i do love that stuff but i do think that it's interesting that it seems to be like the prism through which you see a lot of things like the way that you think of narratives and characters and structure uh do you think well if you think about a lot of great storytelling whether it be shakespeare or stan lee it really is about understanding human condition in some way right it's it's storytelling is what's morality tells. And when you were a kid, they told you Aesop's fables, you know, the the scorpion and the frog and all those stories. And it just kind of they stuck with you. And um, it, Star Wars particular for me was very samurai. It was very Zen. It was close to Buddhism. It was close to a lot of those things. It hit home for some reason. And, you know, as a, a latchkey kid, a single parent home, I had the TV. I had the TV to teach me stuff and I, what I gravitated to. So I do see the world through the guise of, of a storyteller. 
even when something happens, it's like, what's the story here? What's the lesson that I'm trying to learn in, in, in reality, the through line of all the things that I love is storytelling. Mm-hmm. A fight is a story, the red corner and the blue corner. There's a story coming out of both corners. The coach has a story. The individual coaches have a story. The family has a story. It was involved with the fighter, the fighter and the other fighter have a story. The, the referee has a story there's a story, 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 you know, um, acting is just about bringing stories to life. Improv is about creating a story on the spot. Um, Fighting for me is about the story of my training and how it got me to a particular point. So I respond on impulse of something that I trained over and over and over again. The relationships between you and everyone that you deal with is a story. So that's the one through line. And we learn that way. If you want to teach someone something, you do it by storytelling or mnemonics or things that become similar, easy for you to remember. Even a song without words has a story to it. You feel like there's a beginning, a middle and end, a bridge. It, it took you someplace. You went mm-hmm. on some ride with it. Uh, and uh, I think that's very, very important to human beings. And it's something that's been innate in us since we were able to communicate with each other, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's important and I don't think that will ever go away. I think the comic book uh, oversaturation that we're in right now mm-hmm. will eventually dial down because all mediums go through phases. You know, if you think about the 90s buddy cop films, Lethal Weapons, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. all those things, that was a big phase for a while. And then now we're going through the superhero phase because everybody who's in their 30s and 40s and 50s that's making movies and producing films remembers them from their childhood. So all mm-hmm. that stuff is back. And then we're, we're going to die out. And then something else from, mm-hmm. the, you know, from people who are in their 15, 16, 17 year old now when they're making films, they're going to make films with the stuff that's stories from their childhood and then mm. so on and so forth. And then it'll come back again. I'm telling you, by the time this planet disappears, there's going to be 70 Batmans. Mm. <laughs> Never going to stop telling that story. Yeah. Ever. Right. Why? Because it's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing story. Um, did you like Joker? I did. Yeah. I did like it. Yeah. I, I never I, want to watch it again. It was that disturbing, but I like <laughs> I think it'd be interesting if they, because I know they said they weren't going to do a sequel, but if they do a sequel, which it sounds like they might, right. it'll be interesting to see how much of a Batman character might evolve from that. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't, because I don't know exactly where they would go. It was such a standalone kind of origin story. I don't know what yeah. they'll do, but clearly when you make that much money, you obviously have to make another one. It, it, Batman has always been an absolute uh, iconic character because it, again, is a morality tale about someone who went through trauma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, and there's many ways to tell that story because they forget to include in a lot of these movies that he was a crime fighter, a detective, like a genius detective, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so maybe they'll have like the Columbo version of Batman at some point, but excuse me, so excuse me, ways. miss. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I left my batarang over there on the porch. <laughs> yeah, one really more question. Good. I got one more question. <laughs> that would be but awesome. I would, who would play, who would play the Columbo be, Batman? <laughs> it's going to be told forever mm-hmm. because it is a classic human story of things that we all felt or wanted to be. Who has not wanted to uh have vengeance against something that they've been wronged for. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we all have that fantasy in some way, shape or form. And I think also, too, I mean, I think one of the other things with Batman, too, is, of course, he's one of the few superheroes who doesn't have this really fantastical thing. You know, I'm an alien. I got bit by a radioactive spider. None of that stuff. It's just like I've got money and I can do what I want. And I happen to be kind of insane. And therefore, sure. I spend all my money fighting clowns. Right. Well, it's, really <laughs> it's the Marvel version of Batman. Oh, in yeah, some that's way. true, too. That's true, too. Um, but but to, to yeah, I think, you know, I guess we went on a tangent again, but the, the moral of the story is storytelling, mm-hmm. you know. 
How are you? I, you know, one thing that I think has been interesting about like your, your, you know, the story of your telling stories in the media is like how quickly you seem to go from, you know, this, this recent, you know, setback that you've had and then boom, you just sort of flipped it. And the next thing I know, you're just covering uh, UFC on your own YouTube channel. And it's, it yeah. seems almost effortless how quickly you were able just to turn it into Phoenix covering the UFC on her YouTube channel. It's kind of, that's how I started. Mm -hmm. I, um, I had done a bunch of martial arts and one day I was sitting at Gleason's gym and I noticed that after training, I would be there for an extra two hours because I was just talking to people. Uh huh. And I was like, you know, I should just interview people if I'm going to do this. And at the time, you know, we, there was just a digital camera. Your phone didn't even have a camera on it. Uh -huh. And, um, I was on MySpace. That's how long oh, ago this was. This nice. is great. And Matt nice. and Sarah had put something up about Star Wars, and I wrote him back. And my MySpace fake like thing, I didn't have my face on it or anything because there was you know tons of creepers. Yeah. So him and I went back and forth forever. And I was like, hey, I'm a journalist. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> you are now. I, I'm like, I'm writing this article. I was wondering if I could write it on you. And he was like, um, okay. Cause Matt's so freaking nice. Mm -hmm. And he likes to give people a chance. Uh, I was like, okay, well I'll send you some samples of my work or whatever. He's like, okay, you can meet me in Penn station. And he was like, safe place, neutral place. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we met and he was like, oh, OK. So I went and I interviewed him with a digital camera. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> At Penn Station. I put it on on YouTube. And then the second interview I got was with George St. Pierre. Oh, wow. my God. So I had no training background. It was just I got thrown into the fire, you know, mm. and it's like a white belt got thrown into for like a championship belt. You know, uh -huh. I was freaking out. And then I, Kung Lee was the next one. And it was just like little articles or little videos I had put up on my YouTube channel. And I had done that over and over again until um, I got on ESPN because my friend Rob Swift, who was a hip hop DJ, was on ESPN. And he was like, oh, and they were talking, oh, we need to cover MMA because it's getting big. He was like, I know someone. And they're like, OK, come on. And I had met John Jones uh, and interviewed John Jones because I had trained at the Watt with Phil Nurse. Mm -hmm. So Phil would be like, the fighters coming in, you could interview them because they're already there. Mm -hmm. And I was good enough that they were like, OK. And uh, and I interviewed John and then I went on ESPN and I talked about John and he was like, oh, I love it. I'm going to share it. And Dana saw it. Mm -hmm. So I, and he, he was like, oh, that was really good. <laughs> hey, hon. <laughs> <laughs> And Dana saw it and I was like, look, could you give me a shot? I would love to just come and, and attend, you know, UFC press conference and see what I could do. And he was like, OK, kid, give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Got one. So they let me come to one. Mm -hmm. And I again did that on my YouTube page and then did it a little bit more. And I did it for a while on my YouTube page with very little hits, maybe a couple thousand. Mm -hmm. And um, and then that led to Pat Militage being like, ah, clicked on it. What does this girl have to say? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. She, she knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. And her job came up at access. He's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's like, awesome. Okay. So that's really like, again, how organic things happen. Yeah. So when this was all, you know, over with access, I, I guess people knew who I was. So I said, Hey, I'm going to do it for my own YouTube thing. I love it. And they said, come on down. So I went to Bellator and I went to the PFL and you know, it's fun. It doesn't, it doesn't really pay the bills. <laughs> but, it, but it's, it's, and I, I say this to anybody who wants to do a thing. If you want to do something, do it regardless mm -hmm. if it's going to really pay the bills or not. And that's because you have to keep the tools sharp mm -hmm. because even if you think you're good at something, if you let it go, you, you, you will start to kind of like, um, uh, uh, you'll start doing mm -hmm. that. So I got to stay busy. Yeah. Oh, I also think that it's, it's uh, important for people to realize too, that, that if you are in a place where you, you should be in a place where you're not asking permission to do something that you want to do, that you're capable of doing, you should sure. just, you should just do it. And I think that the best stuff that happens is when people are in that state of independence and they're not having to answer to a master and go through a lot of filters and uh, approvals and editors and all these things. Like if you can just develop your raw whatever the hell your thing is, it can be a little unwieldy. It doesn't have to be the most 
you know, professionally presented thing in the world, but it's, it's really about just sort of your craft and your insight. And, and, and I think that the way that you get there, yeah, is in any aspect of life is to just don't, don't, uh, don't wait for permission to do something. Just, yeah. just do it. Just and, do it. And you look at people like, you know, Ariel and, you know, like people that just were like possessed and nothing was going to stop them. And that mm-hmm. they were, and it was a very clear North star, you know, I'm going to be the Howard Cosell of MMA and here we go, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I really appreciate that very much. And I think that, you know, for me as a person that's worked in a lot of different things in MMA, I've never worked in <laughs> MMA uh, legitimately. Uh, although <laughs> I have photographed some fights, um, but it's the kind of thing where uh, I love that the the parallels are all the same, whether you're trying to do music industry, whether you're trying to act, whether you're trying to do whatever, man, you got to stay busy and you got to, you got to keep doing, you you just got to keep, keep doing. And, uh, and one thing that uh, I know we've been just sort of teasing about uh, Luke Thomas, but one of the things that he says, uh, he said recently that I really appreciated, and I've seen him work really hard on his channel and building up his audience in a way that is, uh, you know, I, I, I really would, you know, I have to learn how to do all the editing. I have to learn how to do the camera. Mm-hmm. I have to do mm-hmm. the lights. I have to know how to get all my streaming set up. I know uh, the master of the whole YouTube dance and, and all of the SEO and, you know, all the, the myriad of things that go into that. I, I love the fact that he's only just now sort of putting out calls to people to be like, I might need some help now, yeah. but he, yeah. but I love that. I love that whole thing of like, I'm just going to do everything so that I don't have to slow down or answer to anybody. And I'm going to develop it to this point of like sort of proof of concept and viability and, and it's got a form and it's got a direction. And then now when you bring people into it to scale it, you're not uncertain about what you're doing. You're, you're just like, I just need to do less of that so I can do more of this. And uh, I, I think it's really inspiring to see, um, you know, what people like you and others that are sort of in, in the, the media space, right? It's an unpredictable thing and you're a freelancer and we're, you know, I'm a freelancer as well. I get that. And it's sort of like, it takes a special person to sort of be in that kind of feast or famine uh, kind of mindset in place. So, uh, so you know, it's, it's going to be exciting to see how, how all the things shake out for you. But the one thing that Luke said uh, recently that stuck with me was he, he, he put it in the framework of like, you just have to keep swinging that axe or something to that effect. And it's, it's really just a, a, an altruism. I, I really believe that. It's, it is, it is true too, because you never know who's watching. Like from with my case with ESPN, you know, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know who was looking. And then once you built build up enough material, then they're like, well, well, let me see. And if you're like, well, I was waiting for someone to give you a job, they're like, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You still have to present and show and show something. It's a it's a funny thing. It's a most deaf song I like a lot. And he's like, why do I need ID to get ID? If I had ID, I wouldn't need ID. You know? It's like how you how you want the job to get the experience, but to get the job, you need experience. So it's like sometimes you got to make your own experiences too. Yeah. So that's like a big part of it. Yeah, so so we don't want to keep you much longer, but tell us uh, tell us what you, what, is, what are the next immediate things that you're looking into or that you're concentrating on. Well, there's going to possibly be some skits coming up on my YouTube channel that are martial arts related, oh, but awesome. also funny and comedic. And I'll probably have that in the second half of the year. So like March or April. Oh, great. Um, I'm working on a play for the New York Theater Festival as well. Awesome. And I'm pitching a project idea around. So hopefully by like March or April, I'll definitely have some some irons in the fire and some things to talk about. <laughs> sure. But yeah, but Very this cool. is a good time to kind of like figure out what i'm doing yeah <laughs> i want to be up there in march for the um uh, the 30th anniversary screening of peewee's big adventure at the beacon <gasps> theater oh my god let me know i would go to that he's gonna and paul rims is gonna be there so like this is this is a big deal my sister uh still lives there and uh so it's one of our our sort of things that, that we have always kind of buddied Bond up on about, so so yeah. i'm gonna come up there just to hang with her and and uh and then go go see that so uh you know um uh, I'm, I'm very culturally uh that's that's deep culture that's high high culture <laughs> uh no but so that's gonna be so cool and, and I, I love yeah. the idea that um the irony that now i'm paying to go the see paul in a theater <laughs> Yeah, that is the, no, the, the beacon is beautiful. It's an experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I have yeah. I, I have been there. Uh, yeah, it, uh, for a music show. Uh, but yeah, I love that spot. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, tell people how they can find you. You have a lot of places that you're, you're doing things. Maybe let people know, and then I'll also put it in the show notes. But where can okay. we find you? Um, the YouTube page is Everything Martial Arts. The Instagram handle is Everything Martial Arts. And, you know, it's just Phoenix, Carnivale, everywhere. And uh, Twitter, it's Microphone Fiend, P-H-O-E-N. So microphone, like microphone Phoenix. Got it. It's also a, it's also a eighties hip hop reference. <laughs> yeah. <microphone. laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. I, I teach fitness for daily burn, which is like an online fitness thing. Um, so, which is totally fun and really positive. So I, I do that as well. And then, you know, if you're in town for the New York theater festival, I think the play is somewhere in, in February. I'm not really sure yet, but I play a pimp, which is awesome. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Do you get a Technicolor Dreamcoat Kramer style outfit? No, or? no. no. It's, a, it's more like a Heidi Fleiss type of matter type <laughs> situation. That seems more apropos, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey. Uh, thank you guys, though. I appreciate it. This was fun. No, thank yeah. you so much for the time. We never take it for granted. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure and a joy. And we'd love to have you back uh, once you uh, have your sort of next wave yeah. kind of cooking here. Uh, I would love to talk well, to you more about what you've made. Get to that Tony short list. We'll have you back on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right well uh thanks again and uh thanks everybody for listening make sure uh that you subscribe to our podcast that's something i never ever say or mention uh but if you've made it this far then you know fuck it just do it fuck all it. right uh and uh thank you we love you all thanks phoenix thank you phoenix thanks, appreciate guys. it thank you guys appreciate it Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash podcast. click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone